Welcome to the Red Light Report, your number one source for all things red light therapy, where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. Hey there, my red light therapy friends. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Red Light Report. And I just wanted to take a moment to thank each and every one of you for joining this podcast episode, whether whether you've been here from the beginning or whether you're kind of just checking out an episode here and there or uh, whether you've just joined us recently, I appreciate every single one of you for tuning in and listening to this podcast. It began earlier this year, of course, around in March. It's grown slowly but surely, thanks in large part to you guys, the audience, for listening and sharing with your friends and family and others. So again, I just want to thank each and one of you guys. This episode today is going to be a unique one. It is my presentation that I gave down in Miami in mid-October at Biohacking Congress, which is a nice conference of like-minded people joining to learn about health, wellness, longevity through biohacks. So there's things from electromagnetic, whether it's grounding or saunas or different type of supplements or adjuvants or things like spirulina and chlorella, different forms of light, different forms of energy. So everyone just there wanting to learn and grow together in this biohacking space. And so BioLite, my company, we were a platinum sponsor. It was an exciting event, glad I was there. And it was really exciting to be able to present on red light therapy and kind of share my knowledge and just educate people on the many potential health and wellness benefits of red light therapy, which is exactly why, of course, I started this podcast was just to expose as many people as possible to the potential healing powers of red light therapy. And so in this podcast episode, it's about a 30, 35 minute presentation I gave. And it's very rudimentary as far as what red light therapy is, how it works, how it could potentially benefit you, all the different health conditions it may help with. That was the first half of the, the podcast. So I talk about the mitochondria, I talk about electrons, I talk about redox potential. And then towards the second half of the presentation, I dig into the research. And to preface with the research part of it, I don't go deep into each article. It's more about exposing the audience there in person and then now you on this podcast, exposing people to the research. So about a dozen to 15 different articles, again, not in depth, but more so just given the conclusion about how red light therapy can help with athletic performance, thyroid health, pain, so on and so forth, just to give a representation of the many ways that red light therapy can help. And if you've listened to this podcast, you're familiar that, you know, red light therapy can help with so many different things because of the mitochondria, because it's a way of, you know, giving your body free electrons. This episode or this presentation is a nice little synopsis or just like a quick summarization of how red light therapy can work, demystifying the snake oil pitch of how it can work with dozens and dozens of different health maladies like I just talked about, whether it's pain or mental health or sleep or normalizing circadian rhythm or your immune system. So this really helps clarify the nuts and bolts of how red light therapy works. So again, I hope you guys enjoy this presentation I gave. And as always, you know, reach out whether it's through social media or email or otherwise, if you have any questions, or if you are just curious 
about something specific on red light therapy, or if you have the ebook that I've produced, there's you know upwards of 15 to 20 different protocols in there. But if there's a protocol you want to see added, if there's a certain protocol you don't see in there, let me know. And if there's enough research for me to uh, develop a protocol, I'll certainly add it to the next edition. So again, sit back, relax, and enjoy this presentation. So let's let's roll on. We're going to talk about some red light therapy. The science might be a little deep, but this is where meets the road if you're interested in optimizing your health and wellness longevity with red light therapy. Disclaimer, like Julia said, I'm the founder and CEO of BioLite. My background, quickly, I got my doctor of physical therapy in 2016. Shortly after that, I started my own private practice, cash-based practice in Missoula, Montana, which I have quite a holistic approach as far as compared to an allopathic physical therapist. I am an expert in dry needling. I utilize cupping, blood flow restriction training, hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And so it was during this process of picking up these holistic approaches that I read and came upon red light therapy. And so I read a couple books and I was pretty intrigued by the mechanisms of how red light therapy works because there's a lot of parallels with dry needling. Uh, as far as reducing inflammation, improving circulation. And I was just blown away at the research because as you'll soon learn here, red light therapy can, can help with a lot, can potentially help with a lot. And during this presentation, I'll kind of explain how that's possible. And then I founded BioLine two years ago. But what's important here is this is just uh, a sampling of what is backed by research as far as the potential of red light therapy to heal. Pain relief, skin health, pet health, uh, wound healing, exercise, woman's health, and on and on and on. And after a while, it starts to sound like a snake oil pitch in the sense that it's like it can treat everything. When used properly, it can, which is what I'm going to try to explain to you guys in the next 38 and a half minutes. So when we're talking about red light therapy, we've got to start with the mitochondria because this is where the rubber meets the road. Maybe from fourth or fifth or sixth grade, you guys remember that the mitochondria are the powerhouses of our cells. They produce ATP, which is our token of energy. There can be anywhere from hundreds to thousands to potentially tens of thousands of mitochondria per cell based on how much energy that cell has to take in. So for example, the most energy hungry organs or tissues are gonna be most mitochondrial dense, such as the brain, the heart, skeletal muscles, liver, and the eyes. Interestingly, you get your mitochondria from your mom, from your grandma, from your great-grandma. So if you want to kind of know your potential health and longevity mitochondrial-wise, you look at your mom, look at your grandma, and if you can, your great-grandma, that'll give you a decent indication of your mitochondrial capacity, which can be changed for better or worse, uh, depending on your habits. The mitochondria produces about 95% of the body's energy, so darn near all of it which is important, and it comprises about 10% of your body weight. So if you're 150 pounds, you're walking around with 15 pounds of mitochondria, which is kind of crazy. Gram for gram, uh, we're potentially the most powerful energy producers in the universe, which is pretty crazy. Going into the bioenergetics quickly, we can say that tissue-specific diseases can result from systemic energy deficits. And that's important because the energy deficits are due to mitochondrial dysfunction. Said another way by Dr. Doug Wallace, who's considered the top mitochondrial researcher in the world, he's done over four decades worth so far. He simply says that the more energy present in a cell, 
the less disease state you have. Said another way, the less energy you have per cell, the more disease state you have. And let's remember the mitochondria produce 95% of the energy in our body. So we're gonna learn pretty quickly here the role that the mitochondria play in a lot of diseases. So in reality, for the past couple of decades, you could argue 50, 60 years, we've been focusing on the wrong genome, meaning we've been focusing on the nuclear genome, which is not malleable, whereas our mitochondrial genome is. Dr. Doug Wallace speaking here again, and he's gone on record as saying about 80% of all modern diseases are tied to mitochondrial dysfunction. So the point being that should be pretty liberating or exciting in the sense that health is in your own hands for better or worse. Unless you have a legitimate nuclear genome disease or, 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 or snippet, 80% uh, falls in your hands. And so Dr. Doug Wallace again, simply says that aging is mitochondrial dysfunction. Thus, the healthier you can keep your mitochondria, the better you're gonna age, potentially live longer, have a better health span. So again, it comes down to the mitochondria for a majority of our health, wellness, and longevity. I'm not gonna go over the lists here, but simply look, because everything on this screen is tied to mitochondrial dysfunction. So I'm sure every single person in this room, whether it's personal, friends, or family, knows someone that has had one of these diseases. Making it very simple so we can kind of go forward. Cells make up tissues. Tissues make up organs, and organs eventually make up a system. So the whole point with mitochondrial dysfunction, and remember, we're still talking about red light therapy because red light therapy affects the mitochondria, so keep that in mind as we go forward here. If you have too many dysfunctional mitochondria per cell, because remember we have hundreds if not thousands of mitochondria per cell, then you're going to have a dysfunctional or a sick cell. And if you have a couple of dysfunctional cells, that's not going to be an issue, but when you have a preponderance of dysfunctional cells per tissue, then you're going to have a dysfunctional tissue, too much dysfunctional tissue, you have a sick organ, eventually a dysfunctional system, and it's typically these last two where we get the diagnosis or diagnoses of some sort of health condition, which is sad. It's uh, not a good position to be in when you, let's say you get uh, diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease or some sort of autoimmune. But if we go back, the root cause, as far as we know today, is dysfunctional mitochondria. So the point being, if you keep your mitochondria as healthy as possible, then you'll have healthy cells, healthy tissues, healthy organ, a healthy system. Again, back to Dr. Doug Wallace's quick little phraser of aging is dysfunctional mitochondria. On the flip side, if you have healthy mitochondria, healthier lifespan. Before we talk about red light therapy explicitly, I just wanted to bring this pretty interesting piece of research about light. Uh, this is a 2014 study out of Sweden that looked simply at sun exposure. And they looked at 30,000 females over two decades, and they found that low levels of sun exposure is basically tantamount to being a cigarette smoker. So again, over two decades, they found that the woman with the lowest sun exposure had two times the death rate of those that had the highest sun exposure. So accounting for all other lifestyle factors, sun exposure played a massive role in their lifespan. And so this also brings up a good point about if you're interested in red light therapy before you um, invest an expensive piece of technology, consider getting your sun exposure, but also 
uh, watching the sunrise or the sunset because at those levels of the sun, it's, you're gonna have a highest proportion of red light. So another issue that kind of pairs well with that piece of research is in this modern world, in this room, we're not outside, we're underneath these, I'm guessing, fluorescent or just bright white lights. So we're all kind of victim to this modern lifestyle of malillumination where we're not getting outside nearly enough. We spend a preponderance of our days inside under unhealthy light, non-native light. And then we're likely using this blue light technology with screens at the wrong time. So you throw not enough healthy light, the sunlight, too much unhealthy light, being this fake light we're underneath right now, and then the timing, we've actually kind of caused our own 80% of modern diseases. I'm gonna take that from Dr. Doug Wallace, but we've kind of created our own problem. And so ultimately, that's the only reason, or one of the main reasons that red light therapy technology is even necessary, is we're simply correcting a deficit that we've caused. Red light therapy is simply correcting the deficit of you and your mitochondria not being exposed to enough red and near-infrared light. Now we're gonna get into science, and this is where the rubber really meets the road. So, and this is the reason why mitochondria respond specifically to red and near-infrared light, which is why I'm sure we'll talk about on the panel discussion tonight, infrared saunas do not give you the same benefits as red light therapy because they're not the same wavelengths, they're not stimulating the mitochondria, and this is why. Because on the mitochondria, there's something called the cytochrome C oxidase, which is a chromophore or a photoacceptor. It's what takes in the light and gets excited. And when that happens, it disassociates nitric oxide, which is typically bound. So you get exposed to red and near infrared light. The nitric oxide is disassociated, meaning it's floating around in your blood, which is how you get that vasodilation improvement in circulation. But maybe more importantly, when the nitric oxide disassociates from the cytochrome C oxidase, oxygen can now come in and help the mitochondria produce ATP. Whereas in a modern lifestyle, without exposure to enough red and near infrared light, and we're malilluminated, now the nitric oxide is staying bound to the cytochrome C oxidase. Oxygen can thus not get in and help the mitochondria produce energy. And again, back to Dr. Doug Wallace, the more energy per cell, the less disease state in that cell. So by being malilluminated, we're creating the disease in the cell. So these are everyone's three favorite words, electron transport chain. So this is digging just slightly deeper into the science. So now we're going inside of the mitochondria. And this is extremely important if people want to understand how red light therapy works. I'm, I swear I won't bore you too much, but the electron transport chain inside of the mitochondria has five respiratory proteins. The entire purpose is to tunnel electrons through the electron transport chain, because at the end of the tunnel, you produce ATP and water. So in a healthy mitochondria, we want our respiratory proteins as close together as possible, because that means you're gonna be able to tunnel more electrons through, thus produce more ATP, thus have more energy per cell. And also a good point there, there's less ability as you're going from one to two, two to three, three to four, and so on, less potential for electrons to spill out, which can lead to free radical production. But what most of us have when it comes to being malilluminated and surrounded by other types of non-native EMFs, we literally stretch the distance of those respiratory proteins 
and I did the best I could with the technology I have. But when the distance has increased, you're gonna have more electrons spill out as it's trying to make its way along the electron transport chain, thus less electrons make it to the end result of producing ATP, which is our energy, which we need to have less disease state per cell. Also, you have more electrons spilling out between each respiratory protein, thus you're increasing the free radical production. And a caveat to the free radical production is that the mitochondria, just by the nature of producing energy, produces the most free radicals in the entire body. It's a natural byproduct, but it's when it becomes excessive that you have issues with the free radical production. So anything that stretches your respiratory proteins in the electron transport chain inside of your mitochondria is bad news bears. And the biggest things that can do that is fake light or non-native light, such as the blue light, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, this thing called 5G. It's literally destroying, or at least causing dysfunction in your mitochondria, and this is one of the largest reasons why. The stretching of the respiratory proteins the decrease in energy production, thus you don't have enough energy to heal, stay healthy, and that, that's why we have the 80% of modern diseases tied to mitochondrial dysfunction. There's even something called the mitochondrial theory of aging, which clearly states that while the mitochondria are the body's main source as a free radical, having that excessive production of free radicals is linked to aging because those extra free radicals can damage the mitochondrial DNA, which is much more vulnerable and easy to damage than our nuclear DNA. In that sense, the mitochondria are our biological clock. The more functional, the more healthy you can keep them, again, should lead to a, a longer lifespan and health span. And so it's that leakage that we're talking about with the respiratory proteins that's gonna cause that excessive increase in free radical production linked to aging. One last thing about science before we dig into the research is redox potential. And this is important because again, we're gonna talk about electrons. Everyone in this room wants to have as robust of a net negative charge or as robust of a redox potential as possible because the more redox potential you have, the more affinity for electrons you have. And that's important because you want as many electrons running through that electron transport chain as possible to produce as much energy as possible. And when I'm talking about energy, I'm not talking about caffeine or a Red Bull. It's just the energy that your body requires to maintain homeostasis and stay healthy. So the greater your redox potential, the better the health of your mitochondria. Another reason why your redox potential matters and you want to be as negative as possible, negative charge, is because inflammation is simply too many protons not enough electrons. When you have too many protons, your pH goes down, you become acidic, so literally inflammatory. So anything you can do to bring in electrons will move the needle from being too acidic towards a neutral or even alkaline. So that's why anything that helps you bring in or induce or collect free electrons, if you will, will reduce your inflammation. That's why they're anti-inflammatory. So things like grounding, things like walking next to the ocean, getting negative ions, electron-rich or hydrogen-rich water, and then red light therapy, those are the reasons why that they're all anti-inflammatories because you're bringing in more electrons. And you're restoring the balance if you're, if you're having systemic inflammation from being inflammatory, too many protons to more electrons. So moving on to, to the research to kind of prove to you guys that 
uh, red light therapy has a lot of different purposes. I did a quick Google Scholar search of the word photobiomodulation, which is the scientific term for red light therapy. And I just chose arbitrary timelines, but I think it's pretty interesting. So from the first 50 years in the 1900s, there were seven articles, research articles on photobiomodulation. The next 50 years, there's 370, so a pretty good uptick. But then the subsequent 10 years, there's over 2,000. And then the most recent 10 or 11 years, there's been over 11,000. So there's a lot of interest in this uh, alternative treatment, and you'll see why. So for anxiety and depression, and also I'll, I'll just preface this research by saying I'm not trying to be very comprehensive. We're not digging deep into the articles. I just want to present some of the conclusions and, and some of the profound results from these research articles. So for anxiety and depression, this uh, 2019 randomized control trial said that there's evidence of the existence of mitochondrial dysfunction in many psychological disorders and the importance of oxygenation for the correct functioning of the organism. So PBM or photobiomodulation could be used in the cases of autism, OCD, ADHD, panic attacks, and claustrophobia. For eye health, out of a, out of a textbook, they said that taken as a whole, these studies and experimental models of retinal and optic nerve injury and disease show that far red and near infrared, so that's not far infrared, it's far red. So red and near infrared red light therapy improves mitochondrial function, reduces oxidative stress, and modulates inflammatory mediators, leading to decreased apoptosis or cell death and retinal protection. And so when people receive devices, there's likely going to be eye protection for liability reasons. But I always tell people that when I do it personally, I'm typically doing it with my eyes closed because there's plenty of research outside of this that red or near infrared light can help with age-related macular degeneration, retinal protection, and so forth. So while people do need to protect their eyes, because the devices that are being sold have a higher power than they're using in the research, thus keeping your eyes open when those high-powered devices could be dangerous. It is worth noting that when used with proper dosages, it's extremely beneficial for the eyes. For fat loss, this was done 15 years ago, but it's pretty compelling. 20 women rode on stationary bikes, got exposed to near-infrared, 20 did not. Those that were exposed to near-infrared lost almost four and a half times more fat than those that weren't exposed to near-infrared. For gut health, this is some pretty cool stuff, some recent research, and we got a couple for gut health. So a 2019 review showed that photobiomodulation delivered to the abdomen of mice can alter the gut microbiome in a potentially beneficial way. This has also now been demonstrated in human subjects. So they're literally able to increase the amount of good bacteria to bad bacteria, if you will, simply by using red light therapy. And another one that was done of March this year shows that gut flora targeted photobiomodulation regulates the diversity of intestinal flora, which may improve damage caused by Alzheimer's disease. So now they're actually helping treat or fight or combat Alzheimer's disease by shining light on the gut. And likewise, there's also research out there showing that you can reduce anxiety, stress, or uh, depression by simply treating the gut with light. So there's some pretty interesting research coming out with gut health. Oral health. So I think this one has three or four studies, and I just want to kind of demonstrate how there can be many uses within the same region of the body when using red light therapy. So this one showed that doing fluoride versus red light therapy for pain reduction, that red light therapy was almost three times more beneficial compared to using fluoride for uh, oral pain. This one showed that using red light therapy specifically, yeah, red and near infrared, 
was able to help increase the resistance of enamel erosion. This one's pretty cool, it's kind of similar to the gut, but uh, red light therapy or low level laser therapy, same thing as photobiomodulation, had an, an inhibitory effect on typical oral microbial biofilms. So just like gut health, you wanna have a proper ratio of good bacteria to bad bacteria to have a healthy gut, or in this case, a healthy oral microbiome. And then the last one for oral health is that this one showed that it's very advantageous and efficacious for kind of accelerating wound healing, or, or in this case, post-surgical healing. Um, and while this one is for oral health, there's plenty of research showing that red light therapy can be used for all types of post-surgical healing because, again, you're reducing inflammation, improving circulation, and when you're optimizing mitochondrial, you're gonna have more energy to heal. Pain, so these two articles, while similar, kind of the same, I put them both up here for a reason. The first one is looking at a meta-analysis that showed that red light therapy is an effective treatment modality to reduce pain in adult patients with musculoskeletal disorder. So any type of movement disorder, red light seems to work. And the meta-analysis is pretty powerful because it's looking at all of the available research. And then the second one showed that red light therapy may be beneficial for many individuals suffering from musculoskeletal pain regardless of cause. And so that's why I use dry needling as a physical therapist because you can treat almost all types of pain when you're able to reduce inflammation, improve circulation, which is what dry needling does. But also that's what red light therapy does, which is why it's able to treat so many types of pain. So everything on that little honeycomb is backed by research and that's not comprehensive. That's just what I could throw on the screen. But red light therapy is backed by research to help with all those types of things. Headache and migraines, osteoarthritis, neck pain, plantar fasciitis, low back pain, rotator cuff, tennis elbow, SI joint pain, so sacroiliac, fibromyalgia, which is notoriously difficult to treat because it can get chronic and, and it's not easy to treat by anyone, but red light therapy seems to help. It can help the jaw, tendinopathy, post-surgical pain, that did not work, knee pain, hip pain, Acute and chronic, so that's pretty interesting because again, chronic is notoriously difficult to treat, but red light therapy seems to help, and there you go, chronic tooth pain. Moving into exercise, and this is pretty cool. So with exercise, every time you exercise, especially lifting weights, you have two types of damage. You have primary damage, which is the mechanical exercise-induced damage or stress, and then the secondary damage is the inflammatory response that happens after that. When preconditioning, which is the topic here, preconditioning with red light therapy, you're able to protect the muscle from both primary and secondary damage. Whereas if you were to use it just after, you're only gonna help with the secondary damage. And on the topic of preconditioning, meaning you treat with red light therapy prior, you can also do this with cognitively intensive tasks. So let's say you're gonna do a test or, or an arduous day at work, you can precondition your brain with red light therapy to increase your cognition. You can also do it when you're gonna be exposed to uh, the sun. So it's almost like a sunscreen, although not as powerful, but by preconditioning your skin with red light therapy, your cells and the skin are able to withstand UV rays for longer before you get that sunburn. And then the last one was noise-induced hearing loss, which I thought was interesting. If you know you're gonna go to a rock concert, you know, do some red light therapy and maybe it'll help. Skin health, this is maybe the most popular reason people look into red light therapy. So LED lights, they've been shown to be effective for improving wrinkles and skin laxity due to helping boost collagen production, elastin production, and so forth. 
Among patients who received LED photo rejuvenation, 90% reported that they observed a softening of the skin texture and a reduction in roughness and fine lines. So not only is red light therapy really good for the skin, it's one of the quickest to react because it's such a superficial tissue that you, you, you can really see results within three, four days, maybe a week, maybe a reduction in a wrinkle or especially wound healing. You'll see that heal quicker and with less scarring, if any scarring at all. And sleep, this is a pretty interesting one. It might make sense uh, from the outside looking in because light normalizes our circadian rhythm or if we're malilluminated, it can throw a circadian rhythm for a run. But uh, this piece of research showed that irradiation with red light leads to a notable increase in serum melatonin levels in humans. And this is interesting because typically we consider the pineal gland, which is deep, deep in the brain, to be the melatonin producer. And with a normal LED panel, the light cannot get deep enough to stimulate the pineal gland. It's because of extra pineal tissues, meaning tissues other than the pineal gland, that help with the sleep. So whenever you're using red light therapy and you're exposing it to the skin or thyroid, liver, kidney, thymus, the brain, those are tissues that also help increase uh, melatonin in the blood. So that's how red light therapy is able to help with sleep, even though it's not directly affecting the pineal gland. And this is the last topic, I believe, thyroid health, but it's very compelling as well because thyroid health can be also pretty stubborn and tough to treat with, with allopathic methods. So this 2014 study looked at 347 women with subclinical hypothyroidism, and they received 10 red light therapy treatments. And at baseline, their average thyroid stimulating hormone was 9.1, which you want as low as possible. And the TSH normalized in 97% of the women in the study and that was after only 10 sessions. So pretty remarkable results for a handful of treatments for those fighting hypothyroidism. And then this one's pretty compelling too. This is a randomized control trial. They used infrared light. 47% of the patients were able to stop medication completely. And I've seen a lot of those anecdotes, whether it's through social media or other customers that have reached out and voiced similar results. So this might be the slide to take a picture of. How to use red light therapy to optimize your health and longevity. So considering everything we just talked about, about the mitochondria, how they produce all the energy, 95% of the energy in the body, Dr. Doug Wallace has told us that the more energy you have per cell, the less disease state you have. If you want to use it, other than using the, the sunrise and sunset, like I mentioned, for free red light therapy, using red light therapy 5 to 20 minutes a day, most days of the week, most treatments should be 6 to 12 inches. And as you can tell by the research, perhaps, but maybe me a little more since I've dug into it, but the treatment parameters aren't perfect. It's, it's, it's a spectrum because in the research, they're using different wavelengths, different powers, different frequencies like times per week, different total number of treatments, meaning for the exact same diagnosis, meaning we don't have a perfect treatment protocol for everything yet. But we're getting there. So that's why I'm using the range of 5 to 20 because I think as long as you're doing it consistently whereas you're not doing it before and likely malilluminated, you're likely going to see some pretty nice results. So using it for 5 to 20 minutes a day, most days of the week, is going to be great. Like I do, I live in Montana, so there's a pretty big chunk of the year where I don't get good sun exposure, whereas in the summer, I'm usually shirt off getting a lot of sun exposure. So during the summer, I use my red light therapy less. In the fall, summer, early spring, I use a lot more. 
So that's something to consider as well. If you can, full body treatments are superior to get the systemic benefits of reducing inflammation, improving circulation, and optimizing the mitochondrial health. Things you can stack red light therapy with, and I do this sometimes, you can exercise with red light therapy with an ear infrared that uh, fat loss. You can fast and do red light therapy that also seems to help with weight loss. Or you can exercise in a fasted state with red light therapy with that near infrared to get an even more synergistic response with weight loss. Stack it with breathing or meditation. Get in front of that panel and do whatever five, 10 minute meditation you want or do some breathing exercises. I think uh, Raleigh was talking about breathing or Wim Hof or whatever your choice is. But do something else that's gonna help also lower or improve your parasympathetic response. If you have access to a hyperbaric chamber, doing red light therapy before is extremely beneficial and has a powerful effect. I just interviewed Dr. Jason Somers, who's one of the leading experts in this area for hyperbaric oxygen, and he's a huge advocate of red light therapy, whether it's before or after hyperbaric. The point being, pairing those two together is extremely healing and beneficial for the mitochondria. And then there's other things like vibration plates or, or other things that are gonna help improve your mitochondria, just whatever you can do in front of the panel to get a synergistic effect. But also some supplements or adjuvants you could take that are also gonna help boost your mitochondria. Things like alpha lipoic acid, astaxanthin, carnosine, chlorophyll, because they've even shown in humans, if you ingest chlorophyll, you're actually gonna absorb more light, whether it's a sunlight or a red light. So you may actually boost your, your treatments by taking chlorophyll. CoQ10, that's part of the electron transport chain, curcumin, and then NAD, or the precursors of NMN, NR, whatever your flavor of the month is, quercetin, and then same thing with resveratrol or terostilbene. Choose one or the other. They seem to work well. Then if you guys want to dig a little deeper or just learn more about the potential of red light therapy, I developed an ebook, which the first half of the ebook, it's about 100 pages now, but the first half is just more information about red light therapy, some global information, some good tips on how to treat with red light therapy. Then the second half of the book is more digging into individual topics like anxiety, boosting your immune system, exercise. Each section has some nice information, research, and then a specific protocol I've developed based on the research that's out there. So for people looking for specific protocols for skin health or if they're treating pain, that's a pretty decent resource. I also started a podcast earlier this year where I try to talk about red light therapy, whether it's with my solo sodes or I bring on experts in the health, wellness, and longevity, biohacking arenas, and we talk about a lot of fun topics, including red light therapy. You can find more information if you want about red light therapy through some BioLite social media, Instagram, YouTube channel, or um, Facebook and Twitter. But just remember, treat your mitochondria well, get electrons by feeding them with some light, whether it's the sunlight or red light therapy. Treat your mitochondria well, and you'll be doing pretty darn well. So appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to the Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolight.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolite. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.